Well, our moms think we're funny. Hello. We wanted to let you know that we recorded this episode in the car during a road trip. The audio is not as good as we would like, but it was too funny not to post. We hope. Anyways, enjoy all your sexy pieces of meat. So, how about them furries? <laughs> no? <laughs> That's good, man. <That's> <laughs> Alright, well, hi, hi everybody. Welcome to another episode of Our Moms Think We're Funny. Hey everybody, this is Turk182. And I am a Comey. And, I, and I'm quoting here, and I know that, that this this is a fact. So, now, if this is a fact, tell me, am I lying? <laughs> because you, you're part eggplant. <laughs> you're a cantaloupe. You're a cantaloupe. <laughs> <laughs> Alright. Okay. I thought you were going to drop more stuff I had to censor. What? Sorry. <laughs> I'm sorry. You had baited me again, so I didn't think you'd go off. <laughs> I never bait you while we're recording. No, no not at all. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I, I think I got something, Bird. <laughs> He's a fighter. Yeah, I am pretty good at baiting, actually. You could call me a master at the craft. That's what I heard. So what are we talking about today, Turk? <laughs> uh, I think today we are talking about fan theories. Yeah. Uh, so, uh, as everyone knows, uh, uh, you know, there's always all kinds of fan theories about you know movies and stuff like that. There's all kinds of famous ones, you know. Here's a fan theory about this, and a fan theory about that, and uh, you know, this is. Um, I hear there are entire channels devoted to this. They, yeah, yep, yep, yep. I'm not really one much for fan theories uh, because a lot of times you always tell people like, you know, I have a theory that, you know, this is actually this. I'm like, yeah, but, you know, if you watch this, they clearly say X. And it's like, so that kind of yeah. blows your whole fan theory out of the water. So, yeah. Or, or you have stuff that's explicitly stated in the film and it's like, well, that's not a theory because it's explicitly stated. Right. And, uh, you know, this is actually one of the podcasts we lost that we talked about on a, uh, during our... Uh, Alright, the uh, Pat Thor Cosplay uh, <laughs> podcast. That's the official title of that podcast, Pat Thor Cosplay. Um, <laughs> not, not anything else. Not anything else. If you see the title, it said anything else, that's not what it's called. It's actually called Pat Thor Cosplay. So, um, so uh, you know, we, we had to uh, had to redo some of ours because we lost them. And, you know, the first time we did this, I had gone on about a uh, fan theory involving uh, Ferris Bueller's Day Off and then actually. Um, you know, kind of added on to that that fan theory. Yeah. Um, but I'm, I'm actually not going to do that. I'll save that for for another day. Um, but uh, Akomi and I decided we were going to challenge each other. Yeah. Right? And because you know, like I said, it seems like there's a fan theory about everything. Right. And uh, so we so we decided we we're going to challenge each other, and we we picked a movie for the other person to create a fan theory on. Yeah. So um, I picked um, for the movie for Akomi to do a fan theory on. I picked. Super Mario Brothers movie, uh, which I love. Uh, it's a fantastic movie. And uh, and for me, you picked Constantine. Yeah, Constantine, which is also a fantastic movie, but better than the Mario Brothers movie. Yes. Uh, some people will say, you know, Constantine's not that great of a movie for X number of reasons. And when it's my turn to talk about <laughs> my fantasy, I'll also you know talk a little bit about Constantine. And you know, not gonna not gonna say those people are wrong, but I'm gonna you know explain why why I do enjoy it and, and why I think that those people may want to give it a, a second 
chance. And then, you know, yeah, they yeah. don't. I, you know, I'm, I'm really a hard line about some movies. You know, we had this whole discussion this weekend about X-Men Apocalypse and X-Men Dark <laughs> Phoenix and uh, and all that. And, you know, and, 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 and the Venom movie because, you know, uh, well, uh, well, Web Walker, Web, uh, he he thinks Venom is, is a great movie, and yeah, uh, he enjoyed it a lot. We we think otherwise. <laughs> he uh, kind of had a breakdown in the restaurant last night, and when we were leaving uh, the show, yeah, and while we were leaving the show, because uh, he was like, "I just want to like stuff again. I want to be able to like stuff again, and you guys hate everything." <laughs> and he saw, so, yeah, he liked X Men Apocalypse, and I'm just like, yeah, there was there was so much wrong with that movie. But I'm not going into that because I've already talked about everything that was wrong with X Men Apocalypse. Yeah, yeah, during our uh, Puyo Puyo Tetris uh, playthrough. Yes. <laughs> so, uh, but we're today we're here to talk about fan theories. Yeah. So I'm going to yeah. turn it over to you, Akomi. All right. Yeah. So I'll, I'll come to bat first on this. So. Uh, you know, uh, I, uh, there there are several things you could theorize about the Mario Brothers movie, but uh, really, uh, and I'll touch on those. I will touch on those. <laughs> but uh, the reason, uh, and I'll say, the reason I didn't take any of these theories that like were possibilities was because I didn't know the franchises that involved them well enough. And there was one where it was like, this kind of leaves the ball in more in the Mario Brothers movie's court, and that that allows me to really take that theory and prove it a lot better. Okay, so that that said, you know, I, I the, in my heart I wanted to do something to focus on the dinosaur aspect of the Mario Brothers movie. Okay, and so because of that, it's like, well, there were lots of good dinosaur movies in the '90s. You know, I thought, well, maybe I can do something with like Prehistoria or Theodore Rex or some shit like that. Uh, Theodore Rex. Yeah, like that would have been really funny and really good, but like I've never seen Theodore Rex because even as a child, as a wee lad of like five in the video rental store, I would like take that movie and like like bring it up to my mom and be like I want to watch this movie and she would be like you will hate it we're not going to spend money renting this because I know that you're going to hate it so it's like thanks mom <laughs> you, you spared me or did she? And then she would let me rent the Mario Brothers movies. <laughs> what about what about that? Was it Debbie and the Dinosaur? The uh, the one with uh, Denise Richards, where her brother, her boyfriend, becomes a dinosaur? Uh, shit! I've never heard of that, dude. Oh, okay. Wow. But yeah, no, we we did. Oh <laughs> yeah. Sorry, go ahead. But yeah, no, we we did rent a prehistoric, and that was a pretty shit movie. Yeah, so like, I wanted to do something to, like kind of tie all that together because it could have been like, oh. What if the dimensional shift in the Mario Brothers movie, uh, like, brought those dinosaur eggs over? It's like, okay, well, there's the theory. I can't really, you know, take that and run with it, you know? Right. And then one thing I brought up uh, on the previous recording we had of this is that the set of Dino Hatton, which is King Koopa City in the Mario Brothers film, is the exact same warehouse in North Carolina as uh, the Shredder's warehouse in the Ninja Turtles film. And it's also the same warehouse that they use for the nightclub in The Crow. So it's like, I which, thought about... Which I chastise you for having had, had yeah, seen. Which I still have not seen. So, But uh, I, I will see The Crow very soon because it's, it's coming up a lot in a lot of our uh, creative endeavors. But, uh, but it's like, okay, well, you know, again, all you say is, what if the dimensional shift made all those things interconnected? And it's like, okay, well, there's that. <laughs> you know, I can't really do much with that. So I, I was like, well, for my theory, I want something that I can actually focus on and really prove. And so I decided to focus on the one plot point that was not answered in the uh, in the writing of the Mario Brothers film. Pretty much everything is covered very nicely. Like, what happens to Mario and Luigi? They answer that. 
What happens to uh, King Koopa? It answers that. What happens to Daisy? Answered. What happens to uh, Iggy and Spike? It's answered. It's all covered. And it's all some really cool stuff. But there's one character in this film that they just kind of, you know, they, they show they show a big, important, life-changing event for him, and they leave it alone, right? And that character is uh, the rival contractor for Mario Brothers Family Plumbing, and that is Anthony Scapelli. And he's this big-time contractor who always takes all the plumbing contracts from them, and he's got, like, the resources and stuff to handle the really big jobs, and he always beats them to the jobs, and they, they just, they hate this guy, right? And he's, he's also sort of like a B-story protagonist, in a way, in that, um, it, so you haven't seen the movie, we're gonna have to do a let's watch of that. No, I'm, I'm good. No, no, we have to. We really have to. You're paying me back for America 3000, aren't you? Yes. No, 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 because, because... Because we've already determined that America 3000 not the worst movie we've ever it, seen. It's really not. Hurricane Heist Hurricane is Heist. literally the worst film I've ever seen outside of Christian cinema. Oh, so. what, 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 sorry, what, that's right. It's even worse than Anaconda. I think, I think yeah. You, you put America 3000 even above... No, you put it above Congo. Yeah. You put America 3000 above Congo yeah. and Hurricane Heist. Fuck Congo, man. <laughs> Amy Pretty. <laughs> Yeah, no. I mean, Amy's just a retarded mongoloid who can't swim. No, you piece of shit. I'll censor that. I'll censor. <laughs> uh, anyway, um, but but no. Um, so so just to briefly summarize, because you know, I'm sure there are those besides Turk who have not seen the Super Mario Brothers film. And don't know about Anthony Scapelli and what happens to him in that movie. And to you, I say, if you have not yet seen the Super Mario Brothers film, what are you doing with your life? Good so, lord! Huh? <laughs> fuck you! Don't talk to our So, uh, but no. So basically, like, what happens? Just this is just like really like skimming over the details here, but. Uh, uh, Scapelli is like working construction on the same site where uh, the princess Daisy is on an archaeological dig, and so he's like trying to drive off her university's uh, archaeology team so that he can start uh, construction and start the plumbing on this job site. Okay, that's just like the very brief Cliff Notes version of what's going down here, right? And so Koopa merges the dimensions. He manages to wind up in Manhattan, or no, not Manhattan, Brooklyn. Though they, that takes place in Brooklyn. So, uh, so Koopa's weapon in this film is a de-evolution gun that, uh, converts people back to the previous thing that their species evolved from. And, uh, so he aims and shoots at Mario, misses and hits Scapelli, and Scapelli turns into a chimpanzee. Now, I mean, obviously those, those who are, like, evolutionists or evolution enthusiasts, if you will, would, you know, argue that, you know, we didn't evolve from monkeys, we evolved from monkey-like creatures, or, or whatever, but, you know, wh whatever, you know, it's not a great film, but uh, I love it. <laughs> but yeah, so he turns into a chimpanzee, still wearing his clothes, so it's a little chimpanzee in a full suit, and, and all the crowd who sees this happening, they just start pointing and laughing, because, you know, that's a thing to do when you see somebody get turned into a chimp, is yeah, to point and laugh. You, you wouldn't run and hide. 
Right. Kind of like all those people in, in Captain Marvel when she like punches the old lady on the tra- on the train, <laughs> yeah. and then the, and then the old woman gets up and does like a does like a flip and a kick and a sidekick, and, and then like she slams her head into the into like the 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 pole and it bends the pole, but then the attacker going like, "Get off the old lady!" I'm like, "That's not the fucking old lady." You see that shit? How many how many old ladies you know that can do like Cirque du Soleil shit? Right. You know what I mean? Like like really? <laughs> so yeah, yeah. It's like, yeah. You know, so you, but you know. Laugh. The, the, these are New Yorkers, so it's like they have nothing to live for. So it was like, oh, look at the monkey. <laughs> so, uh, but yeah, so while every other character has a conclusion to their story, and like Mario and Luigi go back to living their lives, but they're viewed as heroes, and they eventually go back to the Mushroom Kingdom to help Daisy. And, you know, Daisy takes on her role as Princess of the Mushroom Kingdom. And, uh, 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 and Iggy and Spike start pitching the story of their lives to Nintendo to be made into a video game with the Super Koopa Cousins. But what happens to Scapelli? And nobody answers that. So I thought, well, I'm, I'm going to make my theory about what happens to Scapelli because, you know, last we saw, his life was ruined. You know, right. it's like, here, here's a man who's running his own successful business, who's bound to have a wife and kids, who's, who's bound to have, you know, family in New York, and he's just turned into a chimpanzee with no thought. And, you know, no, and no attention paid to what happened to him. So I thought, so I started thinking, you know, what movie came out around this time period that featured a chimpanzee wearing clothes? Because when last we see Scapelli, he's wearing a suit. So I started looking around, and there were lots of movies in, like, the 40s and 50s that had chimpanzees wearing clothes. Uh, stuff like The Barefoot Executive and things like that. Right. And it's like, well, you know... Yeah, it was Mr. Chips. Yeah, Mr. Chips. Um... Bed- bedtime for Bonzo, that was yeah. it. So, but, you know, it's like, th- those take place in the past. They clearly take place in that time period. So I needed something a little more of a peer of the Mario Brothers film. Right. And I found a movie that came out about five years later called Ed. Which I believe you're familiar with, but you haven't seen, correct? I am familiar with Ed. It stars Matt LeBlanc. Yep. During, during, uh... During the height of the Friends craze, right? right? During the height of the Friends craze, when you know everyone was trying to get their own movies, uh, you know, and uh, I think I think out of those, probably I'm not sure if I was a Courtney Cox. Well, yeah, Courtney Cox probably the most successful because she did the Ace Ventura, and then of course she was in the Screen movies. Yeah, and then uh, you also had Matt LeBlanc, who I mean, Matt LeBlanc, uh, uh, Matthew, uh, no, I was say Matthew Perry. Oh. Oh, okay. He did the, the whole nine yards with Bruce Willis, which was pretty successful. And then, of course, he had that movie with Selma Hayek, which sucked, but at least he got to kiss Selma Hayek. <laughs> um, so, I mean, yeah, you can't really complain about that. Yeah. But no, uh, uh, for those who have not seen Ed, um, it sucks, okay? I would venture to say that I hate it more than Hurricane Heist. Oh, my goodness. Because, you know, well, we've, we've had this conversation before. The worst thing a movie can be is boring, right? Yeah. And Hurricane Heist was not boring. It was entertaining all throughout. It was just bad. It was bad. It was awful. It was a horrible, horrible movie. But at no that's point... Bad. That's really, really bad. <laughs> when the monsters in the bush got the lady by the tush. <laughs> um, but no, I mean, like, there was no point during Hurricane Heist where we were like, this is boring. You know, we, we were cracking jokes the whole way through. You know, we were saying that was bullshit, but we, but we were right. bored. <laughs> now, we were bored during part of Venom. Yes. Venom was so fucking bored. But, uh, hey, Web Walker. Um, but, uh... <laughs> Stop! Stop! <laughs> He's, already, like He's already dead! <laughs> but, uh, but no, I mean, that, that, that movie, it's pitched as a comedy. They'll tell you it's a comedy. For an hour and a half, I played this movie while I was working on art projects. 
and not once did I crack a smile. I didn't laugh. I didn't enjoy myself. It's so goddamn boring. Fuck Ed, okay? <laughs> but it matches up with my theory. Because Ed features a chimpanzee who, all throughout the movie, wears clothes. He behaves and functions and thinks like a human. So, uh, just to go into a little bit of detail, because I subjected myself to this movie, uh, there's proof that Ed couldn't possibly be a typical film chimpanzee, alright? Okay. Uh, for starters, uh, at the, at the end of the broadcast day when he's watching television, he uh, puts his hand over his heart and hums along with the national anthem. Okay. Okay, so your typical chimpanzee isn't going to know music or know how to sing. Uh, Are you going to explain what the end of a broadcast day is? Uh, well, I, I feel like most of our viewers would probably be within our age, age range and know that, but for those who don't know, uh, back, back in the day of, uh, of, like, before the day and age of 24-hour television, at the end of a broadcast day, it was around, like, what, 2, 3 o'clock in the morning? No, no, like depending that? on the station. It oh, might midnight. Be, it might be midnight, yeah. and latest would probably be 1 o'clock if they didn't show, like, a late a midnight movie. Right, okay. And so at the end of, like, a broadcast day, and that was usually around that time, they would uh, say, that concludes our broadcast. And then they would play the national anthem with a, with a waving video of the American flag, and then it would just convert over to test patterns, which uh, you've probably seen, even if you don't know what it's called, you've probably seen those. It's just, like those multicolored bars that go across the TV screen. Where they have, and, like, an Indian head with, like, yeah, static yeah. behind it kind of thing. <laughs> and, uh, and so then, you know, there's nothing to watch until the next morning. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, so, you know, Ed sings the national anthem. Uh, at one point, he drops something and goes, in, like, little monkey talk. So it's like, so he's obviously capable of vocalizing even if he can't form words, right? Right. And he can communicate um, English idioms, I guess, is the term I'm fishing for here even though he cannot properly vocalize words. So he has to know how to communicate as a human, even if he's not physically capable of doing so. Right. Um, he is able to be sarcastic and make jokes. Uh, at the beginning of the movie, he locks the door and locks the baseball guy out of his car. Um, and he laughs about this. And uh, now, let, let me ask you a question here. Okay. Uh, now, when we saw Congo, right, yeah. Amy was taught sign language by her handler. Yeah. Right? Is there someone that has taught Ed any of this stuff? Does he have a handler that you're aware of? No, no. He's just a the mascot of the team. So and he just kind of came out of nowhere and became the mascot of the team. Pretty much, yeah. Okay. Which begs the question of where did Ed come from? Right. Where did he go? Where did he come from, Cotton Eye Joe? <laughs> oh my goodness, you got the, the sheer anger in your voice makes that worth it. Um but yeah, so like, I mean, here, here's just this chimp who pretty much comes out of nowhere, and he comes out of nowhere knowing how to play baseball. He knows the rules. He's capable of pitching. He's capable of playing certain positions. They uh, they use him as a third baseman, I think, either a third baseman or a shortstop. It's uh, I kind of blocked a lot of that movie out. Um, he's he's able to clean the house. They they use him as a babysitter in one scene because the mother of this child obviously does not care for her. <laughs> is, is, is the mother's name Mrs. Voorhees? Because <laughs> if so, I'm seeing a pattern here. <laughs> okay, Ed, we're going to go on a date. Just don't let her go swimming. <laughs> no, don't shoot. Don't shoot. That was so It you. was not. That was... It was... <laughs> 
you filthy liar. Shut your vulgar mouth. I did not. <laughs> but no, no. So, like, you know, Ed and the girl, like, make this horrible mess, and then they clean it up. And it's like, okay, a chimpanzee capable of cleaning a mess to the point where the parents don't know that there was a mess in the house. It, like, cleans the house good as new. So, I mean, and it's, it's just stuff like that all throughout. Like, they, there's some kind of a joke about him um, signing autographs, which I think he's just using a handprint. But, like, he, he obviously understands so many of these human traits. And uh, for, for, those, for those who uh, are not aware or have not had the delight of seeing this horrible schlock movie, um, it's, it's a guy in a chimpanzee costume. What? Yeah, it's not an actual chimpanzee. Not even CGI? No, dude, this was like 96. No, like animatronics? Yeah, it's, it's a bad movie, man. Okay. It's a bad movie. But, um, but yeah, so, you know, you, you have to wonder, where does a chimpanzee who knows baseball, who knows the national anthem, who knows, like, I mean, he's like, he's got this whole living arrangement thing down. He goes and moves in with the, with the star character. And, uh, and like has has a hand in like in playing matchmaker and hooking him up with his with his chick and all that, and it's like, well, where where could he come from? My theory, of course, and people have probably guessed this by now for all the rambling I've done, is that it's got to be Anthony Scapelli, because here you have a chimpanzee who functions as a human, thinks like a human, and he drives. I forgot to bring that up. That would have been important to bring up. He drives. I mean, how many chimpanzees know how to drive? And he's not good at it, but he's also in a monkey body, so, you know. Yeah, all, uh, all Amy could do is drink martinis and smoke cigars. <laughs> and she could, and, you know, she could, like... And she was a gorilla. Oh, right, a chimpanzee, yeah. so, she, attentively speaking, she was, uh, uh, smarter than most of the, of the monkeys. Now, I'm not trying to put all the monkeys down, so don't think about it. I'm like, I'm like <laughs> they're like, like, woo, 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 you know, and they're like, you know, like, beating on, like, you know, big, like, you know, you know. Like, you know, like black obelisk. And no, I'm just, I'm just saying, I'm just saying, you know, yeah, go, okay, go ahead. I'm sorry. Um, yeah, no, that's, that's fine. But it's like, you know, what, what, no, no other monkey does this, you know, you don't, you don't see this level of behavior and intelligence and in like Dunstan checks in. That's probably, you know, probably one of the smarter film, uh, apes, if you will. Yeah. You don't see it in monkey trouble, which was a shit movie. <laughs> That movie, uh, Buddy, um, with uh, Rene Russo, uh, based off a true story about a woman that had a pet gorilla or whatever. Oh, right, that, dude, it, I forgot about that. Uh, not, again, we're talking, that's gorilla, not chimp, right? Put, put, I'm going to put my fingers in your mouth. Now bite down. You see, he's not harming me. <laughs> dude, I forgot all about that movie. Oh, oh the orangutan and, um, and uh, Any Which Way But Loose and Any Which Way You Can. Oh, yeah. I, I never watched that, but I'm familiar with it. You're Clyde. Um, so yeah, but so like, I mean, he's, he's operating levels above all these guys and these are considered smart animals. Um, uh, don't forget, uh, Suzanne. Ah, uh, Suzanne. Suzanne? From Jane Silent Bob Strike Back. Ah, I still haven't seen Jane Silent Bob Strike Back. Oh, she's at the end, she's at the end of Mallrats. I still haven't seen Mallrats. I, I haven't seen anything from the Askew universe except for Chasing Amy. We've had this conversation. You just always block it because I, it's I traumatizing can't to you. All the stuff that you guys. <laughs> <laughs> just remember, it's a safe assumption. I haven't watched it. Yeah, okay, it's, it's skipping the witches. Move on. <laughs> um. 
but yeah, so I mean, just like the only logical explanation to me here is that it had that Ed had to formerly be a human. Now, obviously, they're not going to call him Anthony Scapelli because he's not capable of vocalizing in English. He's turned fully into a chimpanzee. But he's always going. He's always wearing clothes. He knows the rules of baseball. He knows how to drive. I mean, these are all things that a man from New York would know how to do. He's potty trained too, isn't he? He's potty trained. Yeah. He's capable of understanding humor. He's capable of understanding telling lies. Uh, he's, he's capable of understanding neatness and tidiness. These are all abstract concepts that only a human mind would really be able to fully grasp. So, to, to me, my theory here is that what happened to Scapelli? Well, he, he started hitting the road trying to find a way to scrape together a living as a chimpanzee. He probably wound up in some circuses here and there. He probably wound up getting chased around a little bit wound up in whatever state Ed takes place in, I totally forgot, I knew on our first recording of this, and came across a baseball team, and just, you know, he fixated on the baseball and knew how to play baseball, as every New Yorker on the planet does, it's a completely fair statement, and yeah, he, he went on to live a happy life playing baseball as Ed. That's a solid theory. You, yeah, that makes sense to me. Sure. I mean, it makes it makes it makes more sense that that edits Anthony Scapelli than here's this monkey that comes out of nowhere that can do all this stuff. Yeah, who just happens to be like this this superhuman, basically. Right. So yeah, so that that is my theory. Um, it was a very long walk for a short drink. You know, it took me about twenty minutes to to go down all that just to say it's Capelli is Ed. <laughs> but no, you but, you, uh, you had to explain everything that that he does that is different than a what a normal like you know tape chimpanzee you know that can do right, and then what you've ever seen him do, and all the things that say that this is what would be attributed to a human. Right. Yeah. And, uh, you know, I did all this without explaining the plot of either of these films. Um, I would highly recommend watching the Super Mario Brothers film. It's not a good movie, but it's entertaining. And uh, It does have Dennis Hopper in it. It does, and he is brilliant in it. He's great. And and John Leguizamo and... Um, and Bob Hoskins. Bob Hoskins were drunk the entire time. The entire time. Uh, Bob, Hoskins, Bob Hoskins called it the greatest mistake of his career and said it was a fucking nightmare. That's a direct quote. <laughs> And the two of them, because they hated it so much, and the dialogue and everything else, and in between takes, they would go and they would just get plastered. <laughs> and even uh, the creator of Mario, Shigeru Miyamoto, said it would have been a great film if it weren't about Mario. So, there you go. <laughs> I def definitely give it a watch. I, I will never wish Ed on anybody. Don't, don't watch Ed. It's a horrible, horrible movie. It's so boring. It's not so bad it's good. It's just fucking boring. So just read the Wikipedia article on that. But, uh, but yeah. That was written by a Comey. <laughs> <laughs> this movie sucks. <laughs> this movie can suck my dong. By the way, Ed is Anthony Scarpelli. <laughs> oh, okay. That's a good one. That's a good one. Thank you. So I, I have to say that uh, mine I don't think is as well like uh, researched and uh, as, as thought as thought through as yours is um, and for something that I just threw at you that you you know like I said we had some lead time you know said yeah, about, you know, a week. Think about this right and um, 
Yeah, you know, let's quite come up with something. I think that you did a, I think you did a fantastic job. Well, thank you. I, and I think yours holds up. It can be, it can be put out there as a, a genuine fan theory. Um, <laughs> you fucking listening, Reddit? <laughs> so, uh, my turn? Yeah. Okay. Take it, turn. Alright, so the movie that was chosen for me is Constantine. So before I get into John Constantine, or the Constantine the movie, starring Keanu Reeves, let's go ahead and let's kind of break man. it down. Yeah. So, um, Constantine, um, or John Constantine, is based off of the, uh, the DC, um, detective comics character, John Constantine, in the comic book Hellblazer, um, created by, I believe, Alan Moore, uh, I, I really? Mean, uh, I, it was, was it? I, I thought it was Alan Moore during because it was during the Swamp Thing. He, he first appeared in Swamp Thing. Was it like yeah, Swamp Thing number seventeen or something like that? Wow! Um, I did not. Know I, that. I could I could be wrong on who it was because I think he, he was still doing him during that time, like writing the book during that time. But um, but yeah, and then of course he ended up getting his own title, Hellblazer, and that sort of thing. Um, he's a uh, a British paranormal. Uh, 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 just sorcerer, or, you know, you know, magic user. Uh, you know, he's kind of selfish, kind of a dick. Um, smokes a lot and all that. Uh, and when they uh, when they turned into a movie, you know, they 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 turned it down a lot. You know, one they they cast an American, Keanu Reeves, uh, in the role of Constantine, who was better than every Brit on the planet anyway. So you know, who's keeping score? Yeah. So uh, you know, in the TV series, they kind of were a little bit truer in the TV series that came out that unfortunately didn't last. They cast uh, I think it was uh, Matt Smith. Who is actually, you know, a, a, a British guy uh, in the role of Constantine, and was a little bit closer and truer. You know, again, that was a TV series, so they didn't kind of go as deep um, into the character and kind of his behavior. But uh, a, a lot of people, you know, really liked his role and like what he did. Unfortunately, the the show didn't kind of get the the views that um, that they, they would have liked. Uh, but he continued to play the character on now on Legends of Tomorrow, and he did the voice uh, for Constantine on the uh, the Justice League Dark um, cartoon and the the uh, Constantine uh, Hell to is it Hell to Pay I think uh, uh, movie, which is actually really good. I haven't seen Justice League Dark, but I did watch the did I watch Justice? League? I think I did. Hmm. Um, but anyway, I, but the, but the the Constantine like cartoon I think it's called Hell to Pay. I actually, I watched it. it. Was actually pretty good. The ending was 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 kind of was pretty solid, you know. Nice. But anyway, um, so you know, Constantine, uh, the movie with Keanu Reeves, they you know, make it an American. They put it in out of instead of it being taking place in London, it takes place in Los Angeles. Um, doesn't have quite the edge of the uh, of the comic books, but overall, it's a pretty solid movie in my opinion. Yeah, uh, it's. I, there's a lot of bits of it I like. They do borrow a lot of elements from the comic book, um, and uh, and I think if it, if it wasn't called Constantine, and I know we say this about a lot of stuff, right? Like, well, I say this know, about the Mario Brothers movie, right? <laughs> you know, um, just kind of like like to me when I, we talked about uh, about Logan, right? And I'm like, I people say it's the best Wolverine movie ever, and I'm like, it's not because it's not really a Wolverine movie, right? It's, it's just a movie starring Wolverine, but it's not a Wolverine movie. A Wolverine movie, you know has these like I'm sorry it's not an X-Men movie it's, it's right, right. it doesn't follow or have anything to do with the X-Men at all it's really just about a guy you know trying to get from point A to point B that just happens to be Wolverine yeah but that that's really it yeah it's got some like mutant stuff in it or whatever but really it's not it's not an X-Men movie it's and it's not really a Wolverine movie either because it doesn't really kind of follow that pattern it's um, 
it's really just about a guy that happens to be Wolverine trying to get from point A to point B and all the stuff that happens in between. Yeah. Um, so Constantine's like, if they, if they hadn't called it Constantine, had you know, I think people would, would look at it differently. Maybe say it's a you know it's a pretty good movie. And if you can like kind of take that aside, be like, yeah, they're missing all these elements here, and that's hard to do. I can't do it. You know, for a lot of movies, I just can't. I can't separate like that and be like, yeah, you know, yeah, I guess we do that because you know. But I think if that were the case, right, then um, then yes, yeah, it's, it's it's not bad, and it does. Like I say it does have a lot of really really good really good pieces in it. I love the movie. I think it's fantastic. I do too. Um, there's, there's some really good lines in it. Uh, there's one where he's talking to the detective, uh, played by Rachel Weisz, who I really like. And mm-hmm. Should I bring up the, the the interesting fact about Rachel Weisz that I did last time? Uh, sure. Okay. So, um, and I, don't, I don't know if I even showed that to you or if you looked it up anyway, but... Um, uh, I did not. Uh, so, there's a... Uh, and I don't think she's actually in the business anymore, um, but there is a... Um, a, a porn star by the name of Belladonna who looks exactly like Rachel Weiss, right? Exactly like same eyes, same face, and everything. Um, down to they both have the have the have a gap between her teeth, <laughs> and she looks identical to to Rachel Weiss. You, you know? put a lot of study into this. <laughs> um, well, I'm sorry. When I, you know, you know, I don't, I don't do. I, I, there's, there's actresses people I like. I don't do the whole crushes thing. I don't believe in that, right? But Man, uh, I do. <laughs> but the, the first time I saw her in the first Mummy movie, when I saw her, of course, of course, everyone has a scene where she's at the marketplace, or whatever. And I was like, oh my goodness, she's just absolutely adorable. Um, and she's a really good actress too. Oh yeah, um, I agree. Yeah. So, uh, um, uh, and, and uh, there's a scene where she's talking to Constantine. About uh, about the devil, how she doesn't you know believe in him. He's like, he believes in you. And it's like it just there's little scenes like that, little like things that are really really great. But anyway, the whole point of the movie, um, and you know, there are going to be spoilers here. The whole plot of the movie is uh, John Constantine is dying. He's been smoking cigarettes for almost uh, all of his life since he was like 16 years old, I believe they say. He's got lung cancer, and it's uh, it's inoperable. It's killing him. He's dying. All right, so. Uh, so, while this is going on, um, Rachel Weiss uh, has a twin sister who's uh, been dealing with mental issues. She's in the hospital and she commits suicide. She doesn't want to accept that because suicide, she, she's Catholic, suicide's a moral, mortal sin, which means that her sister is going to hell. And she tries what she can to maybe try to prevent that. And this kind of brings her to Constantine because she's like, you know, I don't believe my sister committed suicide. You've got to help me. And of course, he doesn't want to do it. And then something's going on, and uh, he's being attacked by demons uh, out in the open, which, you know, there's supposed to be a truce. Demons are supposed to come out, and if one inhabits a little girl, he has to exercise a demon, all that kind of stuff. And so he's, uh, he's he eventually ends up helping her, and then they try to figure out what's going on. And uh, and he's really not helping her, because it's, it's constantly, that's one of the things that I think is played really well, is that he's not helping her because he feels sorry for her because she asked for his help. It just so happens that He's trying to figure out what's going on with these demons and why they're there, and he thinks it might be connected to her sister. So he's like, "Yeah, I'll help you, right? Um, I'll help you, uh, but I'm not really helping you. I'm just trying to. This is the connection I think between these two things. So it just so happens that I need your help uh, in order to figure out what's going on. Um, and so that's kind of the whole thing. And uh, during all this, right, he's uh, and he's got a couple of friends. He's got a priest uh, that like likes the sauce. He's got another friend that is really you know, helps him do like his 
uh, supernatural and cult research and also builds like these kind of like supernatural weapons for him. Um, he goes to a club where angels and demons or the light, uh, the good and evil can kind of exist without breaking any rules. That's Papa Midnight's Club, which is run by uh, run by, John, uh, by uh, Papa Midnight, who's played by Jamin Hunsu. Uh, but anyway, throughout all of this stuff, he um, he has a, uh, a guy that, that takes him around. Um, and it's played by Shia LaBeouf. And the character's name is, is Chaz Kramer. Yeah. And uh, Chaz is Constantine's apprentice. Yeah, he stands off to the side and goes, just do it! Yeah, and just do it! And then, like, you know, it's, you know, all this magic stuff. It's just another Tuesday night for Shia LaBeouf. So, <laughs> and, uh, and uh, so he's like, he's during the thing, he's like, you know, hey, Constantine, when are you going to, when are you going to, like, show me how to, you know, teach me how to do this magic stuff, right? And, you know, I'm supposed to be your apprentice, right? When are you going to teach me how to do this stuff? And, uh, and instead of me just chauffeuring you around all the time. And, you know, he, he never does. When Constantine wants to, goes to Papa Midnight's club, in order for you to be able to get in, you've got to pretty, pretty much show that you are, you know, have some kind of, like, magical ability or whatever. And uh, there's a doorman that holds up a card, like a tarot card, and, you know, that person has to, you know, know what's on the, what the image is on the other side of the card. Constantine sees the card, goes inside, does not get Chaz in. Chaz can't read it, always has to stay outside. He's never been in the Papa Midnight's uh, club. Uh, Constantine never teaches him anything, as far as you know, because he's uh, begging. He's like, when are you going to teach me stuff? He just really just kind of keeps him on the outskirts. Yeah. So as all this happens, again, this is where we're going to get to the spoiler territory. The, it turns out that, uh, that, uh, in you know, according to some other book of the Bible uh, that was never published, uh, that there's a uh, after the Satan fights uh, and there's the the peace on earth and revelations that uh, that the, the devil's son will come and try to like, take hold or whatever of the earth. Anyway, well, the devil's son is tired of waiting, right? He's tired of waiting for for revelation, so he's going to go and take the earth early. And that's what all this is about. Someone finds the spear of Longinus with the spear that uh, was used to stab Jesus in the side um, when he was on the uh, on the cross. Someone finds that, and that's what they can use in order for for Satan's son to be brought into into the uh, the physical realm and out of hell, and he can do all this stuff. So um, it turns out that the cop's—I forget her name, unfortunately—but the cop's sister kind of knew all this because she could see demons. She can see demons and she can see all this stuff. And the cop, or Rachel Weiss's character, actually can see them too because they were twins. But as they were telling your parents this, and the parents were like, what's wrong with you? Stop making stuff up. She stopped pretending. I mean, she stopped telling everyone she could see, pretending like she couldn't. The sister couldn't and wouldn't, wouldn't stop telling people. And Rachel Weiss felt bad because when she would say, hey, you see the stuff too, she would lie and say she didn't. The sister then, you know, went through all kinds of like, you know, therapy and this and that was in and out of the hospital because everyone kept calling her crazy. Yeah. And so, you know, Rachel Weiss feels, feels guilty, which ultimately led to her dying. But what happened was she kind of found out about the plan and the only way that they, she could find a way to stop it was to basically do something that was going to bring attention to the situation so she committed suicide, knowing that, that was going to damn her to hell. <laughs> uh, so that they, they kind of brings everything around. And uh, also, uh, you also find out that Constantine, right, when he's talking to her, he's like, you know, you know, uh, you know, your sister wasn't the only one that had this. You and your sister were the only people that had this problem. He's like, when I was a kid, I could see these things too. And she says, you know, she's like, so you tried to commit suicide? 
he goes, I didn't try. I did. I was dead for 15 minutes. Yeah. And I, you know, I came back. He goes, I did die. And even though I was brought back, I did die. I committed suicide and it's a mortal sin. No matter what happens, I'm going to hell. I'm dying of cancer, right? And when I die, there's nothing for me to do. I'm going to hell. He's been trying to do good deeds to kind of redeem himself. He goes and talks to this, um, this half-breed um, angel, Gabriel, played by Tilda Swinton, in a fabulous role. Oh, my God. Oh, such a good role. I just got to stop right here and just, I just got to, my goodness, Tilda Swinton. And uh, <laughs> just, she's so good in that. I mean, she's good in everything, but she's so good in that. And she looks so nice when you first see her in the suit and stuff. And she's got that androgynous look, very kind of David Bowie-esque, but a little bit sexier. So sexy. And then in the end, she's got this outfit on that she wears at the end, which is just, oh, my God. God, stop the press. Who is that? <laughs> Damn, um, girl. I, I, I know people are like, what? Just like, dude, I, you you don't have to like her, and I'm glad you don't like her. That just means that you just, there's more Tilda Swinton for me. There's no competition there, right? So if something were to happen, and she'd be like, well, I get to choose between, there's no one else to choose from. It's just me. It's just me, right? So, hey, now. <laughs> you're an all star. Get your game on. Go play. Oh, sorry, what, what are we doing? <laughs> So I'm just I do she she fuels my engine so much. There's other girls that you know that really kind of get my road to run and head out on the highway looking for adventure. But Tilda Swinton, she's up there, man. Um, so anyway, and she looks so good. And just it's the outfit and demeanor and stuff. And just ah. Uh, uh, so uh, so anyway, so you know she tells me she's like, look, John, you know there's nothing for you to do. You can do all the good deeds in the world, but nothing's going to save you because you you you. She's like you took a life just so happened to be your own but you took a life and this is this is what's going to happen to you so um so you know during all this they you know uh, you get to basically to the end and um and and constantly has to fight to uh, to try to you know to try to stop stop Satan's son from coming through and the only way he can stop it is he doesn't have the power so the only way he can stop it is Satan has to do it Satan has to stop his son and in order to do that, he has to summon him, and he does it the only way he really knows how, especially in a situation like he's in, yeah. which is he can, he slits his wrist. Because they, they said earlier that because he has done so much damage trying to redeem himself, trying to save his soul, he sent so many demons back to hell. He's, he's curtailed so many of Lucifer's plans, right, that he is the one soul that Lucifer himself would come to earth to collect. Yeah. And the only way he can get him to show up there so he can stop his son is he slits his wrist and as he's dying, Lucifer shows up there and he's so happy to get Constantine's soul. And then Constantine says, Oh, by the way, you know, your son is over there and he's trying to cross over into the mortal world, right? Because he wants to uh, wants to usurp you. In which, you know, Lucifer stops all that and he's like, Okay, now that's done, right? You know, let's go. Time for you to go to hell, and I've got so many. You know, he just turns into full-on like pinhead. He goes, "I've got such wonderful things to show you," and uh, and he's like, he's like, you know, and Cosby asks for a favor, and he's like, "What? You want me to, you know, cure you of your cancer, you know, whatever?" And he's like, "No, let the girl's sister go. Yeah, let her go." And he's like, you know. She, she's innocent. She was the one that was actually trying to alert everyone as to what was going on. You wouldn't, I wouldn't know. You wouldn't know. You wouldn't have been able to stop this if it hadn't been for her. Let her go to heaven. And you know, Satan, played by Peter Stormare, in a very deliciously just vile, just he's just dripping with vile and oozing disgust. Yeah. So well done. So perfect. Yeah. Yeah. He just does. He just like, okay, she can go to heaven. 
and, and, uh, and then he goes to, uh, and this is actually, it's a little change from the, um, from the comic books. In the comic book, if I remember exactly, Constantine actually tricks three demons. He tricks, um, and thinking them into one into drinking holy water, um, and then he tricks the other three, uh, so that basically when he died, right, they were, each one had a claim on his soul and that they would be fighting to see which one got him, which would create this big war in hell and stuff. And uh, so but because uh, because Constantine does a selfish act, instead of trying to do something for himself, he says, let the girl go, let her go to, to, to heaven. Yeah. It redeemed him. And so when the devil tries to take him to hell, he can't. He can't drag his soul to hell. And he starts going up to heaven, in which as he's going up to heaven, he flips the devil off. Yeah, and, and the devil's like, "Oh no, 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 no!" Such a good scene. Yeah, you are not getting away from me. I'm not. After he's like, he's like, "I, you are owed to me. After everything you've done, you owe to me." And he's like, "So the only way I can stop you from going to heaven is I'm going to cure you of your cancer." And he just reaches his his hands inside, just starts ripping out hands of oozy black gunk of cancer. He's like, "I'm, I'm not going to, I'm not going to make it easy on you." He's just ripping it out, and he's like, "I'm going to heal you, right? I'm going to let you live." Because I know you're going to do something and you're going to end up back in my clutches. Yep. And there's nothing that's going to be able to save you that time. So that's kind of the whole thing there. So Constantine lives. He gives up smoking and all that. And even in the very end, uh, you know, he still is not the good guy. You know, right. he talks to the cop and, uh, you know, he has this moment where she's like, oh, okay. You know, he's kind of turned over in the relief. He's like, nope, nope. He's still, <laughs> still very selfish. Yeah. But throughout all this... When they go to enact their master plan, right, he takes Chaz with him at the behest of Papa Midnight. So what happens is when Constantine's had enough with everything that's going on, he kind of figures out what's up. He's had enough and he's like, I need help from you, Papa Midnight. And there's some beautiful scenes in there where he has to perform like certain things to uh, like rituals or things to, in order to be able to see into the other side or cross into the other side and that sort of stuff. And it's, it's fantastic. But uh, he goes to see Papa Midnight, and he, when he goes, he's, he's angry. He goes to the, the, the doorman, and, the, and the, he, the guy holds up the card. He guesses right, but the doorman says, nope, and won't let him in. He punches him, knocks him out, and goes in anyway. And Chaz follows him. That's the only way Chaz gets into the club. Yeah. He sees Papa Midnight. He just starts fanboying and, uh, and constantly lays out the whole plan because Papa Midnight's angry, right? He's yeah. like, you're breaking the rules of my club here. And he's like, everybody's breaking the rules. This is what's going on. You're too blind to see. You're the one playing by the rules. You know, now help me, you know, to help everybody here. And uh, so once once he helps him, uh, Papa Midnight says, you know, take the boy. It'd be good for you, John. And he gives him a little bit of a blessing. John does take him to help him with the plan. The only thing that Chaz does is he plants holy water in the sprinkler system because they have to go into this hospital. He plants holy water into the sprinkler system because demons have, have corrupted all these different bodies and they're all uh, in earth. They're protecting to keep people from getting in, primarily Constantine. Yeah. And then when Constantine sets off the sprinklers with his uh, with his lighter, it rains down holy water, which then starts to you know, burn away the demons. And of course, he starts delivering justice with this like this uh, like holy like kind of a uh, like street sweeper kind of gun. It's such a cool gun, right? Oh, yeah, it's, it's really nice. I love it so much. And I, I told you, and the one that before I told you, they actually made a prop replica of that gun. Yeah, isn't it like $600 or something? It, yeah, it is now, it's if ridiculous. you want to look it up. And they also made a, a statue of the scene from, from the movie where he has to go into hell, and he ends up getting the uh, 
the uh, hospital wristband from her sister's wrist that's floating in hell. And he snags that, and there's demons coming out. It's hell looks like a like a like post-apocalyptic like Mad Max kind of thing, only with demons. Yeah. yeah. Um, and um, you know what statue I would like to see them make what? when Satan's ripping the cancer out of his body? Oh, that would be good. That I, would make a nice statue. If they had one of him trying to drag him, where the where the tiles on the floor just kind of start to buckle and wave oh, up. Oh yeah. And, you know, just him trying to drag Constantine, and then the, the, that would be beautiful. That would be great. Um, so, uh, so get, get on that DC. <laughs> I think they're just pretty much disavowed that movie altogether. <laughs> but um, well, fuck them. <laughs> but anyway, so in the process of all this, the bad guy in it. The one that, that was helping Satan's uh, son, Lucifer's son, uh, same person, um, kills Chaz Kramer, grabs him, slams him up against uh, up against the ceiling and the floor, and the ceiling and the floor, and Chaz dies. Yeah. At the end of the movie, uh, Constantine goes to to the to the cemetery. And he goes to Chaz's headstone and just kind of like, not not really, I'm, and I'm sorry, but he's just like, you know, hey, you know. Uh, and you know, and he lays the, his lighter on the headstone because he doesn't smoke anymore. He's been cured of his cancer. You know, he's learned his lesson. He sets uh, his lighter on the headstone and goes to walk away. And when he does, there is this uh, this angel of Chaz appears on top of the headstone and then looks at him and then flies up. So Chaz died, you know, and he becomes an angel. And uh, and, and that's it. So now that I've kind of laid down the whole plot because it's really important to kind of go through all this. Um, my theory is that is that Constantine, right, was a, pretty, a very bad man and only associates with bad people. Right. He's got the, the occult guy that that, uh, that makes his weapons for him, does all the research and things like that. Who um, who lives uh, under the bowling alley, yep. right, where like the pin resets and all that kind of stuff is. This is the guy that knows the dark ways, right? And you don't learn the dark ways of magic and all this kind of stuff without getting your getting your you know your feet like you know your hands dirty in like you know magic and occult and all that kind of stuff. Yeah. So, so he's not a clean guy. The priest that likes the that likes the sauce, right? He's not really a clean guy either, you know, because again he's he's you know he's he's a bit blunt with the with the alcohol yep. and uh, you know and he's you know he's got his demons that he's fighting and. He don't by accident because he's kind of tricked by a demon. He ends up drinking himself to death because when he finds out what's going on, the first thing he does is he runs to a uh, to a liquor store or a convenience store and starts just trying to drown his sorrows. He's just turning bottles up, and unfortunately, uh, every time he turns a bottle up, it's empty, but it's not actually empty. And he's been drinking himself to death. He just doesn't know it, and, yeah. and, and that's it. It's a great scene. It is. So. Um, so, so Constantine doesn't have any any good friends. And even you know, Papa Midnight, you know, is a guy that you know that walks both ways. And even Constantine even talks about how it's like when I found you, you were this like voodoo priestess that was being hunted by people, and blah 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 blah. And I saved your ass. So he doesn't have good people. He doesn't have nice people in his life. That's not the kind of guy he is. Right. But here he's got Chaz. He's Chaz supposed to be his apprentice, but he doesn't teach him anything. He never takes him in. He won't even take him into Papa Midnight's club. Right. The only way he gets in is when he knocks out the doorman and Chaz follows him in. Right. When Papa Midnight tells him to take him and gives him a blessing, he does take him. But the only thing he has him do is just connect holy water to the sprinkler system. So my theory is that maybe not for this particular job, but Constantine was keeping him because he was a pure soul, as we see by him becoming an angel at the end. Right. Mm -hmm. 
He was a pure soul, and Constantine needed a pure soul for something. He didn't know what it was going to be. He knew he was dying of cancer, right? He didn't know, you know, he knew the end was coming. He said he had like a couple months left. He was holding on to Chaz as like a golden ticket for something. Yeah. A golden ticket to save his soul, right? And that's why he wouldn't do anything with him. He had no other clean souls that, and, that he knew, right. right? But he had Chaz. And he was purposely keeping him clean, not involving him in anything, and, uh, and while promising that he would, because he had plans for him later. And just so happened that Chaz, you know, gets killed during this during this this uh, this job, right? Trying to trying to you know help God, trying to stop Satan and or Satan's son, you know, trying to stop the end of the world, and gets killed. And then of course he becomes an angel. Yeah. Uh, and I think that him becoming an angel, as opposed to just you know you know maybe going to heaven. Is because he was doing this mission. Okay? Yeah, yeah. But but Constantine had a plan. You know, he had a plan for him, and it may have been that knowing that going into that into that job was probably going to be the end of Chaz. There was no way you were going to get out. They had it was like a, you know that was a, like like fifty or so demons waiting for them, mm-hmm. right? And then he knew because even when when they reveal who the who the main bad guy is who's been helping like Lucifer's son, right? He knows. He says, show yourself. And he actually does that, which I really like that scene, where he's got these symbols like tattooed on his on his arms. Yeah. And he he brings his both of his arms together and, and, and we can puts his forearms together, he completes the symbol, right? Yeah. And and that's what makes this this uh, the bad guy reveal themselves. And but he has to like kind of force it's almost like shutting doors. He has to kind of force this thing. And he's trying to push his arms back apart and force them to, to reveal. But he knows who it is. So he knew going into it that Chaz had no chance of coming out. Yeah. yeah. And I think either he was going to use him, knowing that he would be able to go, that he was going to go to heaven, right? Because he was clean. To either rescue the girl's soul or to maybe even rescue his own. Yeah. But the whole time, he's playing loose with this kid's soul. Yeah. And because he was trying to redeem himself. I mean, it makes sense to me. And like I said, even in the end, after all is said and done, he's not like, oh, you know, I've, you know, I've learned to hear my ways and I'm going to be a better person. Nope. He's still the same selfish SOB that he was before. And But this time he's cost several people's lives. You know, his, uh, his creepy uh, occult uh, like researcher, yep. the priest. All, all of his allies. Yeah. yeah. All of his allies except, died. Except for Papa Midnight. Yeah. Who's yeah. not technically an ally. Right. But yeah, all of them die. So, yeah. Yeah. I mean, I'd say that theory holds water. Because they 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 show that there are a lot of rules to to the spiritual world, right? And they and they show that there are things such as you know, like soul exchanges and things like that. So I, I think that's perfectly plausible that he's just got this this dumb innocent kid who makes a perfect bargaining chip. And, and to be fair, at that time we didn't really know about Shia LaBeouf, so he still was a dumb innocent kid, right? Oh, Shia LaBeouf. <sighs> you know, Shia LaBeouf is just French for where's the beef. Say it again now? <laughs> I said Shia LaBeouf is just French for where's the beef. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah, you know, it's, uh... But, you know, he's not famous anymore anyway. Really? Yeah. Yeah, he went around that time, um, you know, for a while going to appearances. Oh, yeah, I forgot about uh, that. Dressed as Peter Parker, uh, Spider-Man from that episode issue of Fantastic Four. It's just Spider-Man where he lost his clothes. It was it was actually because of um because of the symbiote. 
he hid the alien symbiote, Reed Richards shoots him with a sonic gun, he takes it off, and he's just sitting there in his underwear, and he's like, you know, oh, don't worry, you know, you can wear one of our uniforms. He's like, yeah, but I don't, you know, I, I need a mask. And, <laughs> and Human Torch gives him the mask. It's just, it's a, uh, it's a paper bag. <laughs> he puts with eye holes cut out of That's it. That's awesome. And he puts it on. And on, on the back of it, like, uh, on the back of the suit, Human Torch had written, kick me. <laughs> so it's Spider-Man wearing a, an old school Fantastic Four uniform. It's just kicking me on the back wearing a paper bag over his head. Holy shit, I saw somebody cosplaying that. Yeah, yeah. And I didn't realize that's what it was. That's amazing. Yeah. <laughs> and in Shia LaBeouf, you know, you know, stole that costume idea to apologize for stealing somebody else's <laughs> idea. Yeah, because he had the sign that said I'm not famous anymore, right? Yeah. Yeah, that's what I thought. Okay. <laughs> But yeah, yeah, no, that's, you know, I think that's a perfectly plausible idea, and I think that matches up with the Constantine, like, universe and mythos, so. Why, thank you. Why, thank you, Susan. <laughs> it is the best theory. But yeah, yeah, no, so that was, that was a fun challenge. That, it was. That, it really was. Um, I, I think we've been in communication with Webwalker about hooking us up with, like, a couple of films he wants us to make theories on. Yeah, he had one that, um... Not really, not really quite the same challenge because uh, he already has one that he'd done, um, and uh, I get I can, we can go ahead and just kind of drop it um, here, I think. But uh, yeah, he's, uh, he's he's presented us with a challenge. He wants to do drop his fan theory, his his, his own real fan theory about uh, about Batman versus Superman. Okay. Uh, and uh, he's challenged us with one because we were like, hey, we want to do another one, and you know, and we're actually going to put it out there to listeners and say, hey, if you uh, if you want us to you know take up a fan theory challenge, we're just like, I want to see what you guys can make with this. You know, send us send us a couple, and if you want to play a particular one of us, say like, hey, a Comey, you know, just uh, like yo, know, um, give me a fan theory about you know the, the the old gummy bears like you know cartoon or something like that you know <laughs> or you know if you want to do it together then you know just but go ahead just uh, send us a message and be like hey the, what can you guys do with this yeah but uh but we're gonna be doing one and uh web walker's doing his on batman for superman and he's challenged us and the the movie that i have is uh the ridley scott um mia sarah the tom cruise oh, tim curry classic <laughs> legend Nice. And, and so uh, that's going to be mine. And he gave me heavy metal, uh, which I love. Yes. And I, I have to say that uh, I have not, um, I'm not as familiar. I, I've seen Legend uh, once and I've seen pit, bits of it before. Because really, when I go to watch Legend, right, I, I go to watch just just Tim Curry's uh, parts, you know? <laughs> yes. It's, oh, that's so good. Um, so Tim Curry's the shit. Yeah. So I'm going to probably have to... Uh, to maybe watch it to kind of really I have I have ideas in my head for for what could possibly be a good fan theory on that one um and, but uh I'm not not really quite sure so I gotta do a little research kind of like what you what you did with Ed yeah um to really kind of like formulate it and get it down pat uh I think I would have been able to do much better with uh with heavy metal but uh but you know you, yeah I, I jumped on that one I'm sorry but I've never seen Legend yeah so and you you're your movie repertoire is not as extensive as mine, so it, it's, it would be harder for you to, to kind of take on certain ones and be like, oh, yeah, I, I can do that, because you don't see the movie, and, and you know, trying to, it's it's not really quite the same trying to, watching a movie to come up with it, you know, right, you, know you did yeah. with Ed, but that wasn't your movie, Mario Bros. with you. Right, movie. right. Yeah. So, um, 
So I'm gonna, uh, I'm gonna, I'm, I was contemplating maybe asking for another movie, but I think I am gonna gonna stick with Legend and nice. see what I can do because, like I said, I have some ideas for it, um, for what I can do with it. So I'm just gonna, just gonna try to do that. Yeah, definitely. All right. But yeah, well, we are almost to our destination, so we had probably better wrap up this episode. But yeah, those, those are our theories. Uh, let us know what you think of them. Because uh, I think they both hold water. I think they're both uh, very legitimate theories. So, so yeah, would love to get some feedback on this. This was a really fun episode for us. Yeah, it's a, you know, just doing that challenge itself. Uh, we talked about this when we recorded this the first time, which is trying to come up with a movie, um, you know, for... And we both had the same challenge, which is trying to come up with a movie. So, okay, what, what, what movie could they use to make a good fan theory? What, what could they use? What could they use? What could they use? And then... It kind of dawned on us both. It's like, wait a minute. Um, it's not my job to come up with a fan theory. I just have to come up with the movie. Right. right? So I'm too busy racking my brain trying to say, okay, like, what would make, like, what movie would, would be a really good one for him? What could he do with that? It's like, wait a minute. That's not my job. You know? So. <laughs> not my job. So, not my problem. Right. So once once I figured that out, I was like, oh, man, here you go. I just had to make sure it was a movie he'd seen. I'm like, there you go. <laughs> yep. Anyway. Well. Uh, thanks everybody for listening. Uh, hope, hope you enjoyed. Be sure to check out some of our other episodes. Yeah. And, uh, yeah. And like I say, if you have one that you want us to check out or maybe try and see what we can do with, you know, by all means, just, uh, just, you know, hit us up with a message and be like, Hey, let's see what you can do with this. Absolutely. All right, everyone. Thanks. Thank you. Bye-bye. John Constantine does not care about the Protestant people. (laughs) Oh, is that a rabbit? That is a rabbit. It is a rabbit. Uh, right there, folks. That was our moms think we're funny. Let's uh, let's give them a hand. <laughs>